All right. Let me pull up my sermon notes. And we will talk about empathy some more. This sermon is apt at any time, but it is really, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this sermon. Uh, we're going to, I had, I have like 8,000 thoughts floating around my head at once. I had a plan at the beginning of the year. I was going to go through and I had planned out every week of sermons. Of course, that went by the wayside almost immediately when this all hit. This is the last sermon before we go back. We're going to start a series on the family next week. This sermon about empathy is a result of social media. It just is. I look at social media. I uh, One might say I'm addicted to social media. I don't think I am, but it's close. And I see a disturbing lack of empathy. When I see the posts that people make and the comments that people have and all those different things, I wrote about this in the newsletter, but I want to expand on it here. It is so easy to think the worst of other people. That And really, when you think about conflict in the world, not just between nations, but between family members or between individuals or between cultures, most of the conflict in the world can be boiled down to empathy. Now, not all of it. Some of it is people are evil. Uh, but a lot of the conflict in the world can be boiled down to Refusal to be empathetic. We treat others the opposite of the golden rule. We're going to come back to the golden rule at the end, but remember what that is. Treat others the way you want to be treated. It's easy not to do that, right? We assume the worst about other people. We refuse to feel anything when we see other people suffering. Well, I'm glad it's not me. Well, they should have done something different. Well, that's not my problem, right? That is a lack of empathy. Empathy has always been crucial to the Bible story. One of the oldest stories we have in the Bible, I say oldest stories, one of the oldest books we have in the Bible, is the book of Job. Even that old, in the book of Job, we see a couple of scriptures that we're going to look at. Uh, let's see here. There we go. Job 2, 11 through 13. Let's read this. Now, when Job's three friends, of course, great calamity comes upon Job. Let's get the context here, right? Uh, he loses his family. Then he loses his health. He loses all his stuff. Uh, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come and show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. They raised their voices and wept. They tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Excuse me. What do we see here? Now, we know Job's three friends ultimately... We're not very comforting. But at the beginning, what? They knew how to comfort their friend. They wept because of his suffering. They tore their clothes because of his suffering, right? They didn't suffer. It wasn't that they were sad for themselves. They were sad for their friend. And they sat around for seven days and, and just were with him and comforting him. This is in the whole of the Bible. This beginning of Job is one of the greatest examples of empathy, of the willingness to see the suffering of others and let it affect you in some way. Now, Job, ultimately, we know what happens with Job and they start arguing. And, and even later in the, in the book, Job understands 
the importance of empathy when he uses empathy as part of his defense. But God, why are you letting this happen to me? And what does Job say? Job 30, verse 25. Uh, great, again, a great example of empathy here. Did I not weep for those whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? And Job is using this as an argument for God, right? God, I felt bad when others were hurting. I, I suffered when those were suffering. When there was need, I was grieved. He understood that this was part of the important thing that was in his art. I need to start that sentence. He understood that this was a, a good argument to use as to why he should not be suffering, right? And so he uses this as part of his argument for why he's righteous. And, and ultimately we know he was righteous, but God, I'm righteous. And, and part of that is I have empathy for those who are suffering. And, and I think that was really poignant for him, especially as he started arguing with his friends, right? You guys don't have, you guys had empathy for me, but now you don't anymore. Uh, as he, they had the seven days of sitting around and then they started accusing him of wickedness and, oh, Job, you need to repent, obviously. And where'd their empathy go? It vanished. And, and I'm sure that was a cause for bitterness for him. This attitude, of course, is continued in the life of Jesus. As we're going to see, read a couple of scriptures about Jesus, the empathy of Jesus. Let's read John 11, 32 through 35. When Mary came, uh, this is, of course, the, the death and resurrection of, of Lazarus. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And then, of course, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Now, there's a lot been written probably about these verses. Why did Jesus weep? Of course, we know that Jesus knows the ultimate outcome of this story, that he's going to raise him. He knows it way at the beginning, right? Even before he leaves to go to see them, he knows. So he knows the ultimate end of the story. Lazarus is going to be raised. Maybe, and some people have suggested that perhaps he was crying for Lazarus because he's bringing him back to the world. But the way the text is structured, he's deeply moved because he sees their weeping, right? He sees the sadness of those people and he is deeply moved. And then, of course, what does he do? He weeps. Maybe he's weeping for Lazarus, but at, at, at least in some way, on some level, he is sad because they are sad. Now, maybe he's also sad for himself. But this is empathy. Seeing the pain of others and letting it give you pain as well. To be moved or affected by the things that other people are going through. We could read another passage in uh, Jesus' life in Matthew. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is all throughout the book of, uh, all throughout the Gospels, the idea that he had compassion on people, again, seeing their circumstance. And, and another important part of empathy is the ability or the willingness to understand the circumstances of others. This is maybe part of the skill of empathy or the, 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 the talent of empathy is the ability to see the perspective or see the circumstance of others as it really is. So when Jesus sees them, he sees the crowds that are coming to him, he has compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. And of course, what is he thinking about? Maybe he's thinking about the way the Pharisees had been treating them, or he's thinking about the way the Pharisees had corrupted scripture, or maybe he's thinking about the Roman occupation. He could be thinking of any number of things there, right? But he's seeing the people and not just thinking, oh, what an inconvenience. Ugh, I have to deal with these people again. You guys are just following me because the food, you don't even care what I have to say, right? And, and that's not how Jesus sounds, but you know, I'm making an example of it. Instead of having that kind of attitude, what? These people are following me. These people are, 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 are pursuing me. And man, they need help. They are helpless. They are harassed. They need a shepherd. They need guidance, right? Instead of thinking about how they affected him, he thought about their circumstance and how he could affect them. So, ultimately then we come to the church Greg thank you for that don't let me forget to announce that after let's come to empathy in the church as we think about how it should apply to us 1 Corinthians 12 26 if one member suffer, suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together now it's interesting so far we've focused rightly on suffering but empathy goes both ways. It's not just, oh, things are horrible and I feel so bad for you. But it's also, oh, things are great and I feel so good for you, right? Isn't that what this text is saying in 1 Corinthians? Empathy is a broader thing when we see the circumstances of others and are affected by it, when we want to participate in their experience, right? That also applies in good circumstances. And so when he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together, that, that's true, that's empathy. But if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Not being jealous of people's good fortune or people's blessing. This is another way I think we, we miss when it comes to empathy is we see something good happening to somebody else and what's our first instinct? Ah, oh, I wish that had happened to me. And maybe you do. Or you see somebody doing something good for somebody else and you think, why won't they do that for me? Instead of having thankfulness and joy and, and having good feelings about somebody else's blessing, right? That also is, a, is a, an expression of empathy. Let's look at another text in Romans. Oops. Romans 12, 14 through 16. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's the empathy expression, obviously. Live in harmony with one another. And the reason I've included the two phrases around the one, that the core one, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, you think about the, the end of that, live in harmony. This is the means of harmony, right? Is empathy. But also you think about in verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And, and that goes back to the songs we sang, I think. When we have empathy, we understand when other people are doing wrong things, what our response should be. Because we see ultimately the example of Jesus, why we've started this with communion, obviously. We see the way that Jesus treated those who persecuted him. He had empathy as he came to earth and suffered and died. And even though they mistreated him, even though they persecuted him, even though they treated him badly, what? He still died for them. He didn't die for the righteous people. He died for those ultimately who were mistreating him or his father in wickedness and sin. 
that sort of expression of empathy. Hebrews 13.3, we could read this one. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, and this is the kicker in Hebrews 13.3, since you also are in the body. What is this point? The Hebrew writer. Again, those people who are... Now, he's talking, I think, specifically in Hebrews 13.3. I don't think he's talking about necessarily criminals. Perhaps he's talking about those who are unjustly imprisoned, who are Christians. But maybe he's talking about those who were in prison and, and then became Christians. We know that happens sometimes. But what's his point? Understand, try to put yourself in their shoes, right? Remember those in prison as if you were in prison. And why? What's the point? You are also in the body. Their suffering should affect you, right? Again, that expression of empathy. Let me pull up my notes here, see what we're doing. Now, when we boil this down to the basic essence, ultimately it's going to be the golden rule, right? Matthew 7, 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, you also do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Isn't this ultimately empathy? And it's sort of reverse empathy, really. It's, I don't know, it's an interesting way this sort of connects. You think about other people, and you think about how you would be in their circumstance. That is, I think, empathy, right? Trying to put yourself in their circumstance. And you put yourself in their circumstance, and you think to yourself, what? Well, if I was in their circumstance, how would I want to be treated? What would I want people to do for me? That is empathy trying to understand the other person's perspective, right? And, and it's not that hard, of course, in Matthew 7, 12, he, Jesus is saying it's not that hard to figure out. Just think what you would want, ultimately, right? What you would want other people to do to you, you do to them. It's not that hard to figure out, guys. As we think about a lot of ways this applies, we could think about evangelism, which we sang a couple songs about. Why do we evangelize? Because I have empathy for the lost. I was lost. I was a sinner. I was separated from God. I know what it's like to not be. And I know what it's like to need that. Right? So I, I have empathy for the lost because I understand what it is to be lost. And so what does that lead me to? Evangelism. Compassion. Teaching. Right? Because, and again, if I'm a lost person, I would want somebody to teach me the truth. Wouldn't I? I don't want people to just let me be lost. So instead of writing people off, of dismissing people, of, oh, they'll never believe, right? I have empathy and I understand and I, I'm trying to reach the lost because they need it. And I understand that because I needed it. We could think about compassion, right? And this is ultimately, a lot of these texts come down to compassion. Seeing the suffering of others and instead of dismissing it or ignoring it or sweeping it under the rug, allowing the suffering of others to compel us to act, right? That's an expression of empathy. We, a lot of times I'm, I'm worried that we bury those feelings. We see the plight of other people and we sort of, as humans, we have a great ability to just ignore it or to rationalize it away or to, to put it on somebody else. It's not my problem. I'm glad that Jesus didn't have that attitude about us. Without empathy, we cannot love people ultimately like the Father does. Why Jesus came to earth and all the things we talked about in the Lord's Supper 
ultimately, if we do not strive to have that same sort of empathy, we cannot love people the way that God does. Now, in the newsletter, my article was about a specific aspect of this that I want to highlight as we conclude of not immediately jumping to the worst conclusion about people's ideas or, or opinions or, or beliefs, right? People state an opinion and we immediately assume that all the worst uh, motivations, assume all the worst kind of thoughts that we could possibly assume of them. That is not empathy. That is judgment and the improper kind of judgment, right? That is the, I don't know what the opposite of empathy is. I, I can't think of the opposite word now. It's just left my brain. But as we're, as we're seeing things, that's a bad way of saying that. As we encounter people who obviously have different ideas than us, we need to be gracious in our judgments of people, understanding, as again, we read in Hebrews 5, that the priest is supposed to deal with gently with the wayward and the ignorant because he himself is beset with weakness. Now, as we look at that passage in communion, we're obviously thinking about how that applies to us and Christ and sin and all those different things. But if we are the priesthood of believers, we understand what it's like to be a Christian and to be a lost person because we all were lost people. Isn't that the same thing that we should do to deal gently with the wayward and the ignorant to to deal gently with them. Why? Because I know that I used to be that way and I used to be ignorant and I used to be lost in all of those different things. So as I'm trying to teach those, as I'm trying to reach the lost, I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be cruel. I'm not going to be dismissive. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to be any number of negative attributes that apply there. I'm going to strive to understand them. I'm going to strive to put myself in their shoes. Ultimately, why? Because that's the best way I can reach them with the gospel. And that's what Jesus did for us. Came to our level so that he might reach us. He came, of course, to seek and save the lost. So this week, as you're dealing with people, three things to do. Ask yourself, why does this person think or act the way they do? Why are they thinking or acting this way? Now, maybe those reasons are bad or wrong. A lot of times it is. A lot of times there are no good reasons why people do bad things, but ask yourself the question anyway. Go through the exercise anyway. When you encounter people that you disagree with or don't like or are having difficulty with, ask yourself why they might be doing that. What, what reason could they have? Thinking about motivation. Second thing, consider how you would feel if you were in their circumstance. That's pretty basic. Right? It might require some research into their circumstance. If you don't have enough information to put yourself in that mindset, then you might need to find out more information instead of just getting the base sort of minimum amount of information and reaching a conclusion and making a judgment based on that. It might require you to do some extra digging, do the extra digging so that you can put yourself in their circumstance and ultimately remember how Christ treated you because he did the research quote unquote. He came and he lived that life with the stubbed toes and the bruised finger and the tripping and the, and the scrapes and the bruises. And guess what? He probably had some friends who mistreated him as a kid. And, and maybe as a, a young adult, he's doing his carpentry work. Maybe a business partner cheated him or a customer didn't want to pay or any number of things that happened in his life that he understands because he strove to have empathy for us. Let's end in a prayer and then I'll have some concluding announcements. God, we thank you for your love and your empathy and your compassion. 
Help us to, to see the same sorts of things in others, to strive to have the same attitude that you did, so that ultimately we can effectively teach people your word so that they might be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God, we love you. We know that you are in control, that you are working to, to have things work out for good for those who love you. Please help us to be patient as we wait for those things to come to fruition. Please be with those that we've mentioned this morning, the Thomas family and, and Corey and Sarah and uh, John Quigley, who Greg is, is mentioned. Please be with us and, and be with those people. In Jesus' name, amen.